Okay, good morning. Today's class is sponsored by Alex and Olga Gumerov. We'd like to sponsor for Shalem of our daughter, Ronit Bad Olga, who's 14 years old. May Hashem heal her eye from her eye surgery. She's had many surgeries before. May Hashem give her, Bizrat Hashem, a good, good, good vision. Also, that's what we keep on saying. And Daniel Sarah, Rav Daniel Katz. Both of these <coughs> need, both of them, they need, they need Rav Shalema. They need strength, both of them. Daniel Katz has been suffering two years in a bed um, with fatigue. We both need to pray, we all need to pray for him. He's really, we've gotten a lot of benefits from him. And Bizrat Hashem Chana Batadel also. Um, also, success in Yashamayim with Shevan Ravagadiel Ben Lisheva, Shevan Lisheva, Rena Makavatov Vasha, and Emmet Ben Elisheva. All right. Today, amazing, amazing concept. I just want to give you guys an amazing story that happened to me yesterday. And it was play by play at the same time that the class was going on yesterday. <laughs> so, we, we spoke about, we had a class maybe two months ago, how, how my wife lost her ring. And I said, it's not good, but it will be good, right? We always said that, right? Right now, it doesn't appear to be good, but it will be good. And obviously, Hashem does everything in His time and to teach us all a lesson. So yesterday, we spoke about that things don't change, God doesn't change, but if we change, things happen. Literally, it was play by play the class yesterday. It was almost play by play what happened yesterday. So all of a sudden, my wife... She's, she's, today she had to, she had to, yesterday she had to work. I think I had a six-hour shift with the kids yesterday. That was enough of a Baruch uh, Hashem pleasurable experience. And all of a sudden she had a, she said, you know what? Thank God I'm doing really well. I want to start giving, I want to start helping my mother more. I want to help her out. So she gets this thought that I want to start helping her out. And I want to start giving her a certain amount, whatever it is. That, that's the thought she, she had in her head. And she's just, okay, Monday I'm going to call the, the banker to make it happen. So all of a sudden, she gets a call 10 minutes later. We found your rings. Who found the rings? Her mother. Where were the rings? The rings were in, 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 in a, her sunglasses, the case of her sunglasses. That's where they were. She, had, she was babysitting that day because my mother, my wife was, had to work to, uh, yesterday. And she found the rings. So you could see. Were the rings, and it's funny because I called the Biala Rebbe, and the Biala Rebbe told me that the rings are there. Meanwhile, I look for them, obviously, I look for them because I got to pay for it. I look for them heavy duty. Everybody looked for them, it was just not revealed. They were not there. So it's, and, and this gives us, it gives us a, a beautiful, it gives us really an example. The answer is always there, it's just it's not revealed to you. The rings are there. But is it revealed to you? It's a different story. This is exactly what we have to always pray for. Creator of the real, let, me, let the unknown become known to me. The rings were there in the house. But did your mind open up to see them? But what had, what, what had to happen? My wife had to make a move. And she didn't do it because of the rings. She did it. You know what? It's a nice gesture. Thank God. I feel grateful. I want to do a positive things. She doesn't have to do it. So what? God didn't have to... Find her rings. So you could, we could see this on an energetic le- level. Anytime you want, if you do something you never did before, you're going to get something you never had before. And it was so beautiful just to see God's picture and, and in your face, He sees it. And obviously, I was always, always, always happy, thank God, because thank God I don't have to buy a ring. 
And everybody won at the end of the day, but just the acts of chesed, the, the acts of chesed, but the rings were in the house. They were just not revealed to us. And this is something that we all need to understand. Part of our prayer is let the unknown become known to me. The, everybody, the Gemara says, everybody is presumed to be blind until God opens up their eyes. So this is where we don't, when we're struggling with something, when we're, where we can't understand something, that's not to become arrogant and anxious and depressed and sad. That's the time to, to surrender and do a positive act. And you can see what happens. This happened at 8.40 something. The class was over at 8.40. It was, play for, it was, it was, it was literally, literally, word, like play by play. The whole class was play, orchestrated just to see how. And I knew before that it was good. Remember? So now you see the good. Good was that, that a good deed created a reciprocal deed. And this is what Kabbalah is all about. Kabbalah is all about as so is below, as is above. Did I not yet yesterday say that David Malik says, God is your shadow. If you smile below, you smile above. So this is a, it's a beautiful message that we need to understand that. Remember, the answer is always there. It is just hidden from you. Our job is to at, humble ourselves, ask our Creator to open up our minds. And we do that by letting Him in our lives, having a healthy perspective. But to the extent that we narrow our perspective, we shut Him out in our lives, and we get angry and bitter, etc., and anxious. And we blame Him for the problem. We blame him for the problem. Meanwhile, the, the, you were doing the wrong things. You were supposed to surrender. And this leads me to the book I was reading yesterday. It's, 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 unbe- it's unbelievable the, the, how much of the classes just, it, they flow. It's like, a, it's like everything's happening. Like today, I like, you know, the more I see in my life, sometimes I just say, this has happened to me because I have to talk about it in the classes. It's not even about me anymore. And I recognize that. It, a new book, strongly recommended, David Lieberman. Again, my favorite, my favorite uh, mentor is David Lieberman. And he, his new book is Mind Reader, The New Science of Deciphering What People Really Think, What They Really Want, and Who They Really Are. Very, very great, great book. We're going to take a chapter from it. Um, and just to show you, again, how, how much so important the perspective is and how much our perspective and what the, what our, what the ego does versus the soul. Reb Nachman tells us, right before we get to the book, just to, to understand this, your main intention in Elul, which is going to come, we have tons of classes on Elul, <clears throat> but the main intention in Elul is every person is required to minimize his own kavod, his own honor, and maximize God's honor. Basically what he's telling you is you have to be less self-centered and be more God-centered. Whoever pursues honor does not attain kavod elokim to the extent that I'm trying to get validation and honor in my life what's going to happen God's going to run away from me basically the more people are going the more I want to be liked the less likely the more needy I become the less likely people are going to like me anyway basically the obstacle in the ego is actually creating the problem itself the more, you're, the more you want to be respected, the less people will be respect you because you're always demanding. You're needy. C- clearly, we all want to be around people that make us feel good about ourselves, not people that are imposed on, the, on, on, the, on ourselves. So this is where he says something very beautiful. And chapter 19, highs and lows and suffering in between. Again, David Lieberman's language is, is, is probably the best in the business. So he's saying a narrow perspective means a shrinking world and an expanding eye. 
So anytime we see the world is, is shrinking and our ego is expanding, that means our perspective is narrow. And remember, if I, the minute I, and I, and I, I said this in the, in the class and deal, to the extent that you continue to put yourself as always, let's say your business drops 20%, and you're saying, well, God's punishing me. Maybe you need that 20% drop to fix something in the company to make it 40% per greater. But if you always think, you, 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 I'm being punished, it's all about me, we can never get that 40% growth. And I can't tell you, every single time, there's, I've seen this in business, a drop, it's called a tzimtzum, it's called a blockage, and I told this to the Syrian community. What happens? The, 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 your business goes down 20%, your self-esteem goes down 20%, it's the most ridiculous thing in the world how our, how our self-esteem is always connected to our self-worth. And sometimes God just wants to give you a, a lesson in life. He wants to give you a lesson. He wants to expand your vessels. But, he's, but in order to do that, you always have to have a, a, a vessel breaking. But if we always think, oh my God, the vessel broke. I'm getting punished. I'm doing something wrong. This immature, this immature reality just leads you to, you're not going to get the answer in your life. And you're not going to learn from it. That's the worst thing. And he says, a narrow perspective means a shrinking world and an expanding I. The frequent use of the personal pronouns I, me, define the egocentric experience between emotional distress that orients a person's attention inward. So all emotional distress, emuna is outward thinking. There's, there's got to be something good about the situation. When you're, in emo- when you're self-centered, emotional distress, everything's inward thinking. See the difference? Emuna, when we have faith, we think outward. When our ego is running the show, we're thinking inward. Big, big deal. Somebody broke up with me. Oh, I must not be pretty enough. You lost money in the deal. Oh, God's punishing me for what I did yesterday. My husband doesn't, I'm having an argument with my, with my husband. This is the way life is always is. Do you understand? You're always thinking about yourself. And that is the root of all problems. Self-centered thinking. We continually think about yourself. And the problem is when we don't get over the past, we look at the future from the lens of the past. So that just magnifies the situation a lot more than it is. Those that are suffering from anxiety and depression use the personal pronouns of I, me, at a much higher rate. So when you just look at you're going through a situation... <clears throat> When you're using the word I and me more, is you're self-centered more in that situation. That's why you're so anxious. And anxiety is very, very connected into three things. Outcome obsession. You're obsessed with the outcome all the time. Number two, self-comparison. You're comparing your life to somebody else. And three, self-obsession. So you could see these are all, these all trigger anxiety. And you have to get yourself more out of I and see, like many times we say, you don't understand the situation? Go into surrender. Go into bittal. Say, use emunah. Use faith. Faith allows you to see there's a greater picture. Faith allows you to see outward. The ego makes you look inward. So if you're looking outward, outward means maybe there's a blessing in the skies here. I don't see it. <clears throat> the outward is where you need to look. Inward is where the problem begins. So just practically look. You have a, sh- a situation with the Shalom Bayit issues. Except any, any situation. What does God want from me from my wife? It l- always allows me to see p- past myself. And what he's saying here is when, we under, when we're under, the, under tr- uh, stress, we always use the language of defeat. 
such as, I'm overwhelmed, I'm crushed, I'm deluged, I'm broken, etc. It's too much. Now, spiritually, you could do this. Spiritually, you could do this. Spiritually, you could say, creator of the world, I'm overwhelmed with thoughts, I'm overwhelmed, help me. Spiritually, you're creating a, a need. You're creating a demand. You're aching. That is okay. But when you use that for life, that is a problem. Because all of this is caused by, again, accumulation of things that you're just thinking about yourself. And this, I, I can't take it anymore. So think about any time we become too stressed out, the first thing you're going to go, throw in the towel. I can't take it. I can't take it. And it's a very common thing we all do. This is why Reb Nassim says, it's very, very important that there's a halacha that you're not allowed to mix a donkey and an ox. You cannot have them ride together. The psychology behind this is, there's the reason why. Because what happens, the ox is going is to eat food. And the chamor is going to say, the donkey is going to say, well, I'm not getting any food. How come he's getting food? Meanwhile, he's just chewing the same thing over and over again. You understand? But he doesn't understand that. But the whole point is you don't, do not commingle your problems. You have an issue here? Leave it there. What happens is when we commingle our, our problems by looking inward, we end up saying we're overwhelmed and then we throw in the towel. This is where you see despair. Reliable indicators of the depressive self-focusing in, in, in style indicate an emphasis on the negative power of the stimuli and the rumination through thoughts and fears which Rabbi Nachman speaks about this many times. He calls it the koach of madame, right? We spoke about the formula of despair. What's the formula of despair? Pain. If I look at pain outward, I say, wow, pain is growth. If I look at pain inward, I say, I'm suffering with this pain. And then suffering without meaning leads to despair. But pain is going to happen. But if pain is outward, I focus, I focus on the growth that I get out of pain. But if I focus on my inner pain, then I'm focusing on the suffering. I'm, getting, I'm, I'm now a victim to that. You see what, you, what you're focusing on? Pain to, does to something to two people. One pain, the person sees there's growth. And pain, another person sees pain means suffering. So you have to have a different relationship to pain in, 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 in general. Because otherwise we never get that. And this is where he says something very beautiful. He says, Daniel Kahneman, who coined the, the term focusing illusion, explains that nothing is as important as what you think and when you're thinking about it. Focus is reality. So what do we do already? We have a Yetzirah that's going to make you focus on everything that's wrong. So what is your job? Your job is to use the old, good old-fashioned Azamra and focus on everything that's right. It's just a matter of focus. Now, we know that if we wake up at certain hours and we wake up to, to the day and we know that we are prone to focusing on the wrong things because Rabbi Nachman tells us that when we go to sleep, if we have undealt with the issues that we haven't dealt with properly, what are you going to wake up? You're going to wake up with that issue right in the morning. And it's going to make you focus. The purpose of the ego is to make you self-centered and to shorten your day, to make you into reactive mode. What we need to do that is we know that we're prone to this. So this is why our sages, as soon as you wake up in the morning, modeani, wake up in the morning thanking, and wake up in the morning thinking about the good points that you have. Rabbi Nassim says Azamra is in the morning itself. Because if I can change my focus, I'm going to change my reality. 
But if I do not change my focus, I'm going to get exactly what I focus on. And if we don't have that discipline in the morning to have, that means if you do not have, there is no way possible for you to be spiritually fit in today, which spiritually fit means mentally fit also, unless you have a solid morning routine. I've come to that conclusion. It's not possible. It is not possible for you to be mentally and spiritually fit unless you have a solid routine in the morning to break that cycle of the day in the night. And this is what the whole Torah is about. The whole Torah is about life is a brand new day. It's all about renewal. It's not like you're in a circle. Like people say, oh, the circle of life. This is who you are, the circle of life. Nobody talking about circle of life. It's all renewal. New month, new energy. New day, new energy. It's not a circle. This is a, uh, a traditional concept. Tradi- circle, it's a circle, it's a circle. This is exactly a Greek mindset. What are you talking about, circle? It's renewal. When is the last time you went to a conservative synagogue and said, wow, brand new month, new energy, new circle, tradition, tradition. Tradition is not enough today. It's going to get you nowhere today. It's going to get you nowhere. Look, look what's happening in these, in these circles. You have to believe more in Hasidus and renewal. Because otherwise, everything's a circle. It, it, you lose the hope. You're just going from one circle to another. We don't want it to, we, that we don't want in our lives. We want renewal. And so when you wake up in the morning and you wake up with, it, with, it, with a strong, strong morning ritual, this breaks the cycle. This breaks the cycle, it breaks the focus, and it makes you focus on what you want, not what you don't want. This is exactly what, this is, again, this is very Tony Robbins, uh, what he focuses on. Wake up in the morning, power hour, right? What does he do? He tells you it's the power hour, and that's what you really do. When you power, focus on three things that you're grateful for, focus on three things, because he knows, if what you focus on is what you're going to end up getting. And if we focus on negative thoughts and we dwell with them, what happens? Studies are showing that you're going to have 50% more uh, your, your body's going to be 50% more fatigued. So you're not only f- feeling this on a physical level, you're feeling this on an, on an emotional and, and, and your body. To the large extent, when we direct our focus, it loses its pull. So basically, Rav Nachman tells you, don't dwell on a thought. Just let it go. Because what happens is, is the minute I take attention away from that, it loses its pull. The more, more I focus on it. I used, to be, I used to be so bothered that I had all these dogs in the house and they were barking and, and they were peeing and it would just drive me crazy. And I'm like, why? How long does it take me to clean this up? I don't know, three seconds. So I'm going to spend 25 minutes in my mind saying, how come I have these dogs in the house? I can't believe I have these dogs in my house. They're peeing everywhere, blah, 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 blah. I'm giving away like an hour of stupidest stress on, okay, they're there. They're not going away. How long is it going to take you to clean it up? You do the job, three seconds, and it's over. And then I stop focusing on it, and then they don't bother me anymore. So you could just see, the minute I shifted the focus off the dogs, I was no longer bothered by the dogs anymore. So I said, and then you start thinking positive. Okay, thank God I have an alarm system. Thank God I don't have to have ADT. Thank God. Even that is in the summer. They're great with the kids. Uh, kids love them, and they bring warmth. And there's, so you could just see, when you shift the focus, now your focus goes in the, another direction. Otherwise, this is what you, your head is at. Your head is stuck thinking about dog, uh, dog poop all day long. And this is exactly what the Yetzirah wants us to do. And this is what the ego makes you self-centered. It's all about you. Look what's happening to you. You have dogs in the house. They're making a mess in the house. Blah, blah, blah. Just giving you an example on how much you have to change your focus. 
And this is what the ego does, makes you focus inward, the soul's focus outward. Very, very important to understand that. It seems super simple, but it's something that our sages, if you have a good morning ritual, you, sh- you have to recognize your job is to break the cycle. Because you are prone, Rav Natan tells us that we are prone, because at night, when you go to sleep, do you, is that problem resolved? It's not resolved. You just went into sleep. Sleep is a form of bittal. Now what happens? You're going to wake up. It's going to be the first thing on your mind. And that happens specifically because, as Joe Dispenza says, only through elevating a situation, wisdom is the memory without the emotion. Wisdom is dealing with the, with the experience properly. It means I don't have thoughts of dogs anymore in my head because I elevated that experience. But if I was still thinking about the dogs and still been angry about the dogs, what do you think I'm going to be upset? As soon as I come home, rah, 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 again, again, let it go, let it go. Don't give it energy. Don't give focus on something that doesn't make sense. And that's where our job is to change our focus. And look what, the, look what he's saying here. The mind logically thinks, this must be important because why else would I be thinking about it? So you're assuming because you're thinking about something over and over that it's important. No, you just don't have anything else to think about or you're not changing that. Don't assume because you're thinking about the same fears over and over again. That means that's important. We're thinking that because, again, the job of the ego is to maximize the negative and minimize the positive. If I could tell you that marriage is, is as simple as changing focus... We're all pretty much going through the same thing. Everybody has certain things they don't like about their spouse. Everybody thinks they do like about their spouse. But the only difference between one couple and the other is you maximize the positive and you minimize the negative. And another person maximizes the negative and minimizes the positive. How would I, how would it be to, how would I could tell you it's that simple? It's that simple. And when you maximize the, the positive, what do you see? Your emotion is gratitude. And when you maximize the negative, your emotion is, I got a bad deal, I'm angry, I'm not being respected, I'm not being this. It's that simple. It's a lack of focus. What, how much time do you focus on this? And I can tell you from my own experience, it's not anything else, but what do I focus on? Now, when you feel good about yourself, you end up focusing on good things. But when you're, like, like David Lieberman says, our mood is a shadow over self-esteem. So to the extent we have low self-esteem, we're, always not, we're not focusing on the good in people. We're focusing on the negative and, and everything and, and everybody else, etc. And this is where he's saying here, and he tells he's going to give us here, that the five things that the ego does, what are the five things that the ego does? Number one, the ego focuses on the negative and the attention that signs greater power and importance on the object that we focus on, magnifies its significance and reinforces and puts greater attention. So what does he say here? Number one, the ego determines what you focus on. So think about what you're focusing on today, think about how, what your mood is, think about your state, and that's something you can change. Change your focus, change your reality. Change the meaning, change the feeling. Number one, what you focus on is based on your ego, pretty much. Think about fo- today focusing more outward and less inward. And this is why just, just every single day, 
when we read the Amidah, we read the same prayer at the end of the Amidah, right? And what, is the, what does the prayer say? Help me, it's basically, say, basically, help me, let my soul be silent. Those who trample on me, let me be like dust. Like, if I'm getting, if somebody's offending me, if somebody's saying something wrong to me, I should completely make myself like, like nothing. Because at the end of the day, why in the world? For example, we, I had a guy the other day. First, he comments that I talk too much about Pigama Brit. So I know that's his struggle. And then he tells me, well, all he talks about is, is, is his astrology. He's upset that he can't master Pigama Brit, which I get it. It's very frustrating. It makes you depressed. It, it, it loses your self-worth. So throw, throw, dump, now you're going to dump and, and dump uh, the fact that I talk about astrology and comment on, 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 on the fact that I, we talk about uh, astrology so much. What does one thing have to do with the other? But because this is an area that is triggered, let me throw, let me, let me just insult him in that way. So 90, most things are not even about us. Instead of saying, you know what, this is an area that I'm struggling on. I should really work on myself. I could see if that's my struggle. That's where the gold is. But obviously he's not looking inward. He's not looking, he's looking ego. So let me throw a comment out. This is what we, this is what we do today. So any time you're getting insulted and any time you're getting offended, you have to recognize that the way people treat you is a reflection of themselves. When you treat people well, it's because you're feeling good about yourself. When you treat people the wrong way, it's because you're not feeling good about yourself. It's that simple. So when we start recognizing this, we can start working on letting it go and not be offended every single time that. Just like you could never say that, oh my God, that person gave me blue eyes today. They will look at you like you're coming from another planet. It's the same thing as saying that person made me angry today. Nobody could really make you angry unless you're holding that anger yourself. We've said this many, many times. And that's where Elul is about. You're coming into Elul, you're focusing on Kavod Elohim, the honor of God. You're not focusing on your honor. Doesn't mean you should be in an abusive relationship. If somebody doesn't have love to give, you have to put a boundary and move on sometimes. Doesn't mean you have to be in a toxic relationship. But if that person is 98% or 70% good, and, and he has a bad day or two, and he throws a couple insults at you, or she calls a good that should not call, you should not call it quits because of a 20% um, negative behavior when there's 80% good behavior. This is where we have to sh- change our focus to say, you know what, 80% of this is really good, 20% needs work. Okay, so give the relationship a B. Is that the end of the world? Minimize the intensity of the illusion is what the ego, stop making it about you. So number one, the ego makes everything about us. What we, it chooses what we focus on. Number two, the ego makes everything about you. So already it changes, it makes you what you focus on, makes you self-centered. Number three, it concludes that all negative experiences are due to a deficiency within ourselves. I'm down 20% in business, Hashem is punishing me. Is that true? No. I'm getting punished because of this. I'm getting punished. Not everybody thinks that way. This is the Yetzirah. It makes you think you're... Now, there's times where God is showing you something over and over and over again to teach you a lesson, but not to punish you. It's all out of love. For example, if you say, I got insult- I, I'm fighting with this one, 
I got insulted by that one, I got insulted by this one, and you're not standing up for me. The problem is not anybody standing up for you, is why are you making everything about you? So that's not really negative, that's really showing you, wow, if four, how could four people all be insulting you in the same day? <laughs> Maybe you're too sensitive. Maybe you're just taking every, you're hypersensitive to every little comment. That's not, that's actually a gift that four people happen to say you. Maybe I'm wrong if it's four people doing it. So this is to teach us. Number four, it magnifies the relevance of our focus. It makes things worse than they are. And number five, it causes us to believe that we can think out, out or think, a, think a way out of a situation that is beyond our control or understand something that, is un, un, that you cannot know. And this is where surrender comes. So the solution to the first one, the ego makes you focus on. Your job is with, with gratitude, with, with azamra, you focus on what you want, not what the ego wants you to focus on. Number two, it makes everything about you. Self, self-centered, what you have to focus on is soul-centered. Number three, it magnifies the focus. Take the, what says, instead of magnifying it, Take the energy out of it. Take the energy out of it. I can tell you from my own experience that things change so quickly in a blink of an eye. I have seen things so change in a blink of an eye. You almost have to recognize that. Permanence, only when when you don't have faith do you think this is going to be a permanent situation. This is like, this this is always going to be like this. This is thinking your permanence. Permanence is a job of the ego. So you have to recognize God recreates the world, etc. This is why He gave us Rosh Chodesh. Because there's a new energy every single month. Why do you think the Greeks wanted to take away Rosh Chodesh from you? Because they didn't want you to believe in renewal. They wanted to keep you in the circle. Circle, circle, circle. They wanted to take everything out of you. Number four, it magnifies what we fo- the relevance of what we focus on. For example, it makes you st- focus on the dogs all day long so you can fight with your wife and you could have no shalom bayit because of the dogs. Or you could say, three seconds, it could take, pick you up. I'm telling you from my own experience. Marriages get better when you change your focus. Relationships get better when you change your focus. Like, like Carl Jung says, when you know your own pain and you do your own deep work, you could understand others' pain. But when you're not doing any work on yourself, all you're doing is criticizing and judging. But if you did any kind of work on yourself and you recognize, oh my God, I have a lot of work to do. I have a lot of work to do. Who am I to judge? You would have no time to judge others. But because you're not doing any work on yourself and you're not looking inward, oh, it's easy just to say, to rationalize everybody else being my problem. And And this is where we don't get any growth. Our relationships just end up the same way and we say, oh, toxic relationship, toxic relationship, toxic relationship. We just throw red flags at every relationship. Number five, it causes us to believe that we can think a way out of the situation. Some things you're not going to understand. And it's completely the opposite. Reb Nachman says, when you believe me, then you'll understand it. So when you're thinking in your mind, I can think my way out of the situation practically. No, sometimes the answer is, Surrender. Do a good deed. How many times have you heard this in books? People couldn't get pregnant. They could not get pregnant. The, the rabbis advised them to go volunteer in a hospital 
to go do this. Do a good deed you didn't have to do, God will do something he doesn't have to do. Where is the logic there in this situation? But imagine if you're bitter, I can't have a kid, why is Hashem punishing me, why is he doing this? And, and you ask, okay, you know what, go volunteer. Well, why should I volunteer? He's not going to give it. Then you lose opportunities. You lose opportunities. So Hashem help us that we should all, again, getting into Elul, pre-game Elul is to be less self-centered and more God-centered, to look more outward, look at the bigger picture, look at everything that God does for the best, instead of looking, why is it always happened to me? Sense of self-centered. This is a very, very, very important message for all of us to constantly tweak our focus and to get our focus in the right way. My recommendations is obviously put on music in the morning, pray in the morning, breathe in the morning, change that focus dramatically. When I do not have my morning ritual, my focus is completely off. It is off. It is just off completely. It's not a question whether I should wake up and do this. It's what kind of day do you want to have? The kind of day you want to have is when you do this. And the kind of day that ends up like this is when you do this. So it's up to us to recognize what kind of day we have. And we do that by pre-committing. And we do that by pre-committing by changing our focus and making feeling good about ourselves. And then the days take on a completely different meaning. When you have a strong... When I have a good four hours strong with spiritual morning, very few things can bother me. Very few things can bother me. Because there's, no, there's nothing in her to be bothered. But when you don't have that, you don't have any oxygen, it doesn't take much but the wrong email to knock your day out. And what kind of person do you want to be? That's the question you have to have. And when you demand things in heaven, and you're asking for love in your life, and you're asking for relationships, and you don't have it to give, you're not going to get it. <laughs> so you have to, this is where the morning, the key is the morning, it changes the focus, it makes you less self-centered, it makes you elevate things that need to be dealt with. This is why we stress so much, and Rav Nachman stretches so much. Go by yourself, talk to your creator, change your focus, awaken that, 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 that goodness inside of you, and that change usually changes the whole, the whole moment. Have a great day. Excellent, thank you, Gedalia.